Thomas Crothers. And I'm Jazz Susanka. Yes, you are. Um, I always find it funny when people um get that momentary fluster um of do I do I say my name? <laughs> what is my name? I forget my name. Jay's always been on it. Jay, I, I think even when he was first on, he was just like, and I'm Jay Reef. And I was like, oh hello, Jay. He's very just good. very like Jay would be a great like TV presenter. I feel like he's just got that vibe. Jay could be anything in the world. If you told me that Jay was going to be secretary of the, you know, secretary of the treasury or something, I'd be like, yeah, that go is for true. it. He just fits every box. He's great. Um, on the Saltburn episode, which was the first episode of this 2023 Spotlight series. You had a running thing where you would, uh, every 20 minutes or so, just throw absolute hot takes out about the best <laughs> films of the year. And one such movie was um, May-December, where you threw out that you thought the uh, final scene ruined the whole movie and was incredibly cringy. And then I said, um, I think that's my favourite film of the year. And then you said, oh, no, 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 I really liked it. And so... We will get to the final scene, but firstly, um, does this hatred of how have you come around on the final scene on a rewatch? Yeah, I was just was, about to yeah. say I've re I rewatched it last night because I got off work early because I'm I don't I got off work early. Don't know why I was about to explain why. Um, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that needs to be said. And so I rewatched it last night. And I kind of came to the realisation of, oh, she's meant to be a shit actress. Yes, the whole and film is this terrible cosmic like, joke. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, Natalie Portman, come on, what's going on, babes? What's, is she supposed on? to be a shit actress, or is it just supposed to be like a really shitty, cheap, like exploitive Hallmark movie? Or yeah. it, that's how, that's how I've read it. I don't know necessarily if she's well. I don't think she's clearly not a great actress, but it's not that kind of thing. But um, she's clearly not a great actress. But I think it's more so that she's put all of this time and effort into. And I think 
the great trick of the film is on a first watch, we presume it's some sort of, you know, Oscar movie or something like that. And that she is this, you know, astounding actress. She talks about the the Lifetime movie that already got made. We see a clip of it, you know, you don't look scared to me. And, and, and it looks cheap and it looks trashy and it looks exploitative. And we have this whole impression that the movie that's now being made isn't going to be exploitative and isn't going to be bad and is going to have pedigree and talent behind it. And then what do we see at the end? It's another pun about a snake. And it's another, you know, it's another kind of snake. Uh, you don't look scared. And it's all film building to this. And she's like, uh, please, uh, can we do another one? I'm re I'm, I think I'm nearly there. And, and okay, okay, sure. And it's been this, and for better or for worse, she has infiltrated um, this relationship and this life. The minute, well, quote unquote, that things have kind of, you know, calmed down, they keep saying, you know, this friend of Gracie is like, you know, well, everything seems to have just gone quiet and now you're going to make a movie. And, um, and the, the, when the shit package arrives and they go, well, you know, well, not all the time, not as, not as much recently. And obviously there is the matter of fact that this intrudence, whatever it, whatever has come of it for Gracie is obviously the drop, uh, penny drop, that Joe has needed his entire life. Um, I've been very outspoken to anybody who's ever spoken to me and wants to know my opinion that um, I do love May, December. And I think on this, for this series, I've been re-watching these movies in, in a quicker succession than I usually do, uh, like see movies back to back. And The Killer on a third watch, I was like, oh, okay, I, I, like not I still loved it still greatly enjoyed it but I was like mm, okay Killers of the Flower Moon sorry still loved Oppenheimer still loved and this one um flew by absolutely flew by I I really do it is firmly Thomas Carruthers's favorite film of 2023 that's just so fascinating to me because I would have not pegged it as Carruthers, like, top pick. I just really? Think, oh. In no, what sense? Just, In what sense? In what sense? I just... I don't know. I just didn't think it was, like, your kind of movie. Because I first saw this movie on TikTok, which is how I found out about, like, all movies most recently. Mm -hmm. and, and this is presumably uh, through the Charles Melton Riverdale angle of it. Um, No, it was through the, like, true life... Like, you know, like the actual, like, well, not the actual story, but the story that everyone's saying it was based on. America I love Letourneau, yeah. 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 I love true crime. So I like true crime's always on my um for you page. Mm -hmm. And it was like, this movie is like being made about this real life case. And I was like, ooh. And I saw it and I was like, my mum will love that. So me and my mum watched it together when it felt like the day it dropped on yep. Sky. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like it, it felt... Like, I don't know, maybe it's because I watched it with my mum and the films I watched with my mum are, like, either true crime stuff like this, true crime, mm. but, like, you know, based on a blah, 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 or based on a book, or, like, Mamma Mia. So I just, like, put it in that category. Not that this is the same as Mamma Mia, two very different... I would movies. dare say that they are both in their first hours just as, ju just as enjoyable. 
<laughs> I, I, the again, another the great arc of the film is that again watching it this morning, that first hour, I laughed more at that than you know, I don't know. Uh... The other thing, people are like people don't realize that this is a comedy. Yeah, it's a very darkly. Well, no, I think it contains multitudes. I think it's very hard for pe people to be like, wait, it's a comedy, and without watching it, because immediately, they... right? Let's talk about some things because it's it's a dark, it's darkly comedic, it's melodramatic, it plays in those tones, it's also yeah. incredibly realistic and tender and very subtle, and. Joe, like, you've got three different arcs, basically, and three different characters. You've got a deeply unnerved cr well, criminal who is in, in delusion, whatever state she is in, uh, to continue her life and is a naturally... Well, she says it, I am naive. It's, in many ways, it's been a gift. Um, played by the incredible Julianne Moore. You've got... This incredibly funny sort of, you know, version of an actress, sort of self-serious actress character. And then you've also got, I mean, for my money, this, I mean, this comes out after Oscar nominations. I mean, the fact that this got no acting nominations at all, when about six months ago, we all thought Charles Melton was going to swoop in and maybe win, is is baffling to me. I think this is one of the most tender, subtle Beautiful um, break. I know. I know he's been on Riverdale for eight years, so it's hard to say it's a breakout. But breakout film performances of some time. It's. I feel like because I watched Riverdale when he was on it, and then I stopped. I stopped after like season three because that was a hellscape of a show. But <laughs> like his acting, like phenomenal, phenomenal. I think mm. I've seen him in something else as well. But I feel like this is what he'll like. He's very much gone like the opposite like this was his it's kind of like jacob elordi like breaking away from kissing booth yeah 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 yeah. it's like the same i see the same like kind of pattern like path for him now that we've made december yeah and and i hope it continues and i think there's something to be said who votes for the oscars jazz what do you mean who votes for the oscars actors and is there something about Natalie Portman's, I dare say, pitch perfect version of a self serious actress that maybe just hits <laughs> a little bit too close bit to home? Like... Because, you know, I know you were saying that you love watching based on true crime stuff and stuff. This is not a biopic of the Mary Kay Letourneau story oh. in 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 many many ways, and is entirely about the exploitive nature of a lot of these based on <laughs> based on a real story things. And I've said this, I mean, I say this all the time, is that, and and there's been many projects in my mind, writing and, uh, you know, film or plays or whatever, about looking at the exploitive nature of all of these bloody based on a true story things. And we, you know, they show all sides of it. You know, Joe, whether he believes it or not, is like, you know, they'll, they're going to they're gonna bring you know, they're going to bring our story to light and people are going to understand whether he believes that or not, whether that's a lie, another lie he's telling himself. The film got this terrible conflation and grey area because it is loosely based or influenced by the Mary Kay Letourneau story in the sense of 
it's a older woman from the 90s, very heavily publicized, um, who has an underage relationship with a uh, mixed race man. In the real, sorry, it's Marike Letourneau and his name here is um, Vili, Vili Fulau. Apologies if I've uh, said that incorrectly. Same as Tom's not racist. Um, yeah, hashtag Tom's not racist. Um, but the first, like he has now come out and said in response, um, here we are, he's got it here. Because I, I you yeah, know, I, I feel... And you'll be happy on the Killers of the Flower Moon episode if you ever listen to it. I, I gave I gave wide spectrum to loads of different, and I brought their things up. Anyway, um, <laughs> if they had reached out to me, <clears throat> um, if they had reached out to me, we could have worked together on a masterpiece. Instead, they chose to do a ripoff of my original story. I'm offended by the entire project and the lack of respect given to me, who lived through a real story and is still living it. Now, I, I, to be honest, I don't want to undermine his experience, but it's not the only pedophile, heavily tabloid, you know, pedophile relationship there's ever been. There are blatant similarities because that was such a big one. And the fact that um, I believe she birthed his child, which is the other similarity. But it's it's used so clearly as a seed and as a framework to explore I'm not saying it doesn't explore pedophilia in those relationships, but to explore, um, you know, the based on the true story thing and, and and how we study stories, exploit them. Can we ever know the real truth, no matter how far we dig into truth? And I, I yeah. So and then, you know, Natalie responded, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's not based on them. It's, you know, obviously their story influenced the culture that we all grew up and influenced the idea. But it's fictional characters that are really brought to life by Julianne and Charles so beautifully. And yeah, it's its own story. It's not meant to be a biopic. And it certainly isn't in any way, shape or form. And and I think I'm not throwing you under the bus here. But like the, what you're telling me that, you know, TikTok sort of... Bra was this before the film? Was this a long time before the film? Or Yeah, like before the film, like, actually, like, came out, mm. that's how like, I heard about it through, like, the grapevines of TikTok. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, loosely based on... Because when I... Because like, I fell into, like, a deep hole then, like, watching TikToks about that case. And then when I watched the film, yeah. I was like, okay, not the same thing. Yeah. They added in even more things that are like, oh, that's really fucked up. But like, yeah. it's just, I don't, I don't know. I think it's loosely based. And I think like, because they chose to have it a white woman with a POC, like young boy, I think that that was just like, you can kind of see the color, like the colorations yeah. of like two. And like why they kept, I think it was important for them to keep it like that. But I don't think that they can claim that, like, this was my story because it wasn't. It's, yeah. The, I mean, obviously, the, you know, that circulated as well. The interview, one of the interviews they did. Uh, have mm -hmm. you seen that clip where Mary yeah. Kate does the who's in charge? And then obviously that gets adopted in this film. Yeah. And again, you're looking so clearly at seeds and influence, and this film is so much its own thing. And Todd Haynes is a filmmaker. I mean, just look at his Bob Dylan biopic. I mean, I don't think he has any interest at all in... I, I also love Todd Haynes. I, have you watched Carol, Jazz? 
I have a very long time ago and briefly remember it, but yes, I have. The Beautiful Carol, wonderful film. And um, I, I love Todd Haynes' work, Safe. This is his fifth collaboration with Julianne Moore, um, all of which are, are rather sensational. Uh, the wonderful Safe is incredible, Far From Heaven, a tremendous film. And yeah, I mean, I, I obviously love Carol as well, but um, this for me is like firmly... It might even be my favourite of his films. It is very much playing to a lot of my sort of, not strengths, but my enjoyments. Like, I love I love Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. I love, you know, something with a dark edge. I love explorations of the industry. I love something with a sort of campy, melodramatic humour to it, as you know. And and then, but that none of that is ever sacrificed for the deep, deep emotionality and truth and sadness that overwhelms the uh, Joe part of the story. I, I really cannot think it can be underestimated how well the tones here are balanced. That was very well said, Thomas. Th thank you very much. You can read the blog. You can. <laughs> There's hours and hours of podcasting <laughs> you know, material. Good little, that was very good little rant you just had there. Normally, I'm like, I'm not following, but that one, yeah, no, <laughs> thumbs up, ten out of ten. Because I feel like a lot of the things that I've seen about it is like people are like, oh, it's not being taken seriously enough, or it's the other end where it's like this is too serious and it's a bit weird. And I'm just a bit like, no, no I feel like it. I feel like it gets it. No, yeah, what you said, ditto. Well, I think you know. There is obviously, and it's easy to meme and it's easy to TikTok. About five minutes in, we get that great, I don't think we have enough hot dog. And the zoom in and the, the <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And, and you're like, okay. And Todd, right, I'm saying this as if he's a personal friend. Uh, Todd Haynes is giving us in that very moment, this is the tone. You're either in or you're not. And and people keep saying that, but also that's not exactly true because there is whole there is this whole element of deep, deep sadness um, still to come, and you know truth and and all manner. And I just think it's an incredibly prickly film, and it's a film I'll think about forever. And even now, you know, there is no straight answers given. Presumably, you know, Joe. Well, I say presumably. Hopefully, Joe breaks away from the relationship and this has been some sort of catalyst. But um, let's talk about Sammy Birch because she writes this screenplay. This is a debut screenplay. She wrote the story with her partner. And this is a debut screenplay. She worked in casting um, with uh, in, in the industry. So again, again, that sort of rings true with, you know, the self-tapes that we see of the young Joes. And hey, how are you? I'm from coast to coast. <laughs> and... Oh. And that world, and oh, what was I going to say? Uh, the only nomination it gets at the Oscars, and I, I, I maybe I was was I lying to myself, Jazz, that this was going to be, you know, an Oscar race for my beloved May December. I think it deserved that, like to at least have some acting nominations. Mm. I just don't know whether it's like. I don't know. It wasn't up there with like my top like three, but it was solidly in the top five of the year. Mm. And I feel like it. I feel like it. It deserved more. 
the I don't make it's it's she's too easy a target, and I'm very very sorry. But America Ferreira, I'm sorry, I, I, and it's too easy to just throw her under the bus whenever. Like every one of these episodes now, like got I don't know. I'm looking at the ones that are coming up. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm shoot. I'm doing with uh, Rian coming soon, and it's like the minute that we talk about Rachel McAdams not being nominated. Who's the first name we're going to say? It's poor America Ferreira. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, I love Julianne. Uh, do you have a favourite of the three performances? I, I'm saying three performances as, as if there aren't many, many other great performances in this ensemble. But of the three leads? It's got to be Charles, doesn't it? Mm. I just... I I think it's that beds, the bedroom scene. Oh. But also the scene on the roof with his son when they get high just it's just, there's so many it's, it's a it, very it, very good film i call yeah. it a no skipper i remember when in the early in the pandemic and early in the podcast we did goodfellas in terms of endearment back to back and despite your terrible ter- have we have i ever said on the podcast your opinion in terms of endearment that you found emma annoying and we're like oh great oh well oh boo-hoo <laughs> i was like oh god but like <laughs> Every single, like, again, I was watching it for the third time on the train this morning. Not the third time on a train, <laughs> back to back. The third time in that journey. <laughs> and she was, and, and it was just like every time it cuts, and the roof scene in particular, it cut to him on the roof, and I was like, fuck, another, like, one of the best scenes of the year. And then and then the dinner. And then let's start from the beginning. So it, first thing is we get these zooms in, zoom in on butterflies, and then the beautiful music, which has been... Um, it's the Michael Legrand score for um, The Go-Between, which is a movie, great movie, Joseph Lousy, uh directed um, about, from a classic novel. And it's the story of a, a, a lover, very Remains of the Day in many sense, you know, stately homes. And it's a, an affair that's happening in a 13-year-old boy that is their, um, their go-between. And instead of sending love letters or anything like that, he is their go-between. And the young boy sort of becomes in love with the older woman and that sort of thing. Obviously, it never becomes about pedophilia or anything like that. But just that literary, quote-unquote, element, uh, reorchestrated here by Marcello uh, Zavos. Um, I'm a, I love Spotify. Spotify's great. Get the May December score on Spotify. I know it is hard, must be hard with the rights issues with Michael Legrand or whatever, but can we please sort that out? Thank you. Um, do you love the music as much as I do, Jess? I think it it's one of those movies where the music like is part of the story, mm. but it's not a musical. Like obviously, yeah, yeah. It's a musical, but like. Do you know what I mean? When music is just I so... would like to see a version of Waitress with Gracie making her cakes. <laughs> and up, upside down. <laughs> Turn that frown pineapple upside down. That's so down. funny. I was literally singing Waitress in the shower like this afternoon. So look at that. Small world. Um, But yeah, no, I think it's... Yeah. I just love it when a movie like has like... Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it aids it very well and it's just nice to see because I don't feel like we get that a lot and it also helps with tone it's a very bombastic and quote-unquote over-the-top sumptuous melodramatic huge score and the minute that you put that under scenes that are 
you know, realistic or stuff like that, it immediately evokes a sort of campy melodrama. Like, I mean, the most obvious example being that hot dog scene, you know. Dun, 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 dun. I don't think we have enough hot dogs. Um, and then, so first thing is we meet and then Elizabeth is driving up to the house and she's, oh, it's this very evocative. And it's a little bit like Rebecca or these great classic, you know, driving up to the house and the music swelling and we meet Gracie and we're kind of, I mean, again, I, I live in a world where I know everything. I sound like such an asshole. Um, <laughs> but like I watch trailers and I read movie criticism and it's like, oh, I know. Okay. So I've known for years that Todd Haynes is, is writing, is directing a new movie with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman about a May December relationship and about an actress coming to visit. So like I've known this for two years, but it kind of slow burns the quote-unquote reveal of the relationship. And for the most part, we think it's just, you know, a standard relationship um, because obviously that that is the great thing of this film is that it chooses not to show in any way, shape or form the initial relationship in any sort of exploitive or gratuitous manner, anything like that. And I we see everything after the fact. So if you know absolutely nothing and you come into this film, then I don't think we know fully sp spoken out loud until she visits um, Grace's ex-husband, Tom, and he's like, what would make possess a 36-year-old woman to have an affair with a seventh grader or whatever um, the grade is? Um, and again, from the off, we get great, great lines you just never know. I, I told you what happened when I met Judge Judy. Um, and Oh, it's very funny, isn't it? Did it take you, did it take you a, a, mo a while to get into the swing of the dark comedy? Or were you kind of already in on the tone? I feel like after, like you said, like with the hot dog thing, I was yeah. like, ah, this is what? what? Like yeah. I laughed and my mum was like, we took jazz. And I was like, what? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like sorry <laughs> um yeah i i i think i like dark humor so i think yeah, i was fine. so and but I, then i'm saying this it's not actually dark humor it's it's humor in a film about a dark subject but it's yeah. not really like dark humor it's it, it's just like like we talk about that melodramatic tone they're, they're not saying anything like i don't know they're not making jokes about the pedophilia. They're like, oh, this dude is so funny when you, you know, <laughs> the thing happens. But yeah, no. Actually, was, no, yeah. that's not true. We do have some through Elizabeth, but it's all at the expense of Elizabeth, never Joe. And that's a hmm. big, a big, you know, I sound so woke, Jazz. This is so, so, so unbecoming. I, I just spent two hours the other day talking about how Killers of the Flower Moon is great and people need to get a grip. Uh, no, I didn't. I never said the phrase get a grip. But um, and now I'm being so woke. What's happened? I don't know. Um, we watched a Big Night at the Musicals last night, Jazz, and I want you to give uh, me two guesses what my grandma's biggest problem with uh, Dorothy uh, was in the new production of The Wizard of Oz. Ah. No, it was because uh, she was an octave too high and Judy Garland sang lower. You think my grandma's a racist, and that's a horrible thing, Jazz. Based on her grandson? 
No, very good. Joking, Tom's not a racist. Hashtag. Um, um, I'm just trying to think. No, I don't think I am. Okay. Um, we move on. Underrated part of the hot dogs is the immediate cut then to the barbecue and the most overwhelming amount of hot yep. dogs. And there's even more on the side. Yeah. And how many people are at the party? Not a lot, because I'm guessing they don't have a lot of friends. Well, next great letter coming up soon when 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 Elizabeth shows up with the package. And then, do you know who sent it? Uh, probably some thicko who wasn't invited to do enough barbecues. <laughs> <laughs> These are the lies that, you know, she's told us that, you know, the pervasive humour and, the, and the, the lightness that she touches on everything to just try and continue this world of quote-unquote romance and perfection that she has managed, she's done her prison time and she has managed to, you know, get to a stage where this is the life that she has so wanted. And, um, yeah, then we get... So this is when Joe is doing the barbecue and he's talking with the other dad. And there's a little girl who screams and he's like, I think that's you. And I think Melton just does such an incredible job it feels like he's doing dress up, you know. It feels like yeah. it feels like a young lad in a like amateur production, um, playing a dad. Like mm. the clothes, like hang on him. Just his overall overhunched demeanor, and he's just like, yeah, you know. And and we jumped over something. Sorry, when the first was the. First interaction we get between Joe and Gracie is him coming in, opening the fridge. Not, I love you. Hello, darling. How are you? Death two. And then it's more instructions of, can you take out the trash and do that? It's all about control from the very, very off. Um, and then that controlling element kind of disappears for a half an hour or 40 minutes. It's still there, but it kind of goes for a little while and it's all inferred. Um, I really can't talk about this film enough, Jazz. I really loved Made I really do. I, I think it it's... It is a very yeah. film. I feel like there's, like, once you start talking about it, you kind of can't... Like, unlike Saltburn, where you start talking about it and it just, like, disintegrates in your hands, the amount of debates <laughs> we've had in rehearsals over whether Saltburn is good or not, it's great. Uh, Have we talked to Steve? Do we know if Steve likes Saltburn? I'll ask him tomorrow. I I'll know that he... I know that I I, talk, I emailed him and he said he was nonplussed by May December. Okay. Mm. However, he did love no hard feelings. Really? You know what? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like he'd be a J Law fan, so you know. Give her a, give her the Nobel Prize for Literature. I mean, what an incredible performance! <laughs> Have you watched it yet? Yeah. Very good. I liked no hard feelings. I love her. I love her. I just love her. I'd watch anything she's in. I think I've watched all her movies. Love her. Um, what was I even saying? Oh, this movie, when you start picking at it, you just find more and more and more and more, which is what you want from a movie like, yeah. when you're a movie nerd, I feel like. And it's and it's an hour and 50 minutes, and it's so fucking tight and mm. just moves at such a clip. And And also, this is like... This is an obvious movie in many ways. Like, it's not, it doesn't take a genius or a TikTok reviewer to, you know, see the image 
of Joe working with butterflies and then we watch him for two hours, you know, change and adapt. You know, this is a very on-the-nose metaphor that we're being presented with. And yet it somehow all works in this tremendous concoction. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. Very, very clever. We've not really talked about Natalie Portman yet, and I think that's what we should start on before we take our first break. What is your general vibe on Natalie Portman? Are you a Black Swan fan? Are you a Star Wars fan or anything like that? What's your general vibe? My introduction was um, to Natalie Portman was my uncle uh, sat me and my sister down when we were staying with my nan and made us watch all the Star Wars films back to back when I was about... All of them were out, so I can't, I don't know how old I would have been, but I was quite, I was fairly young. And I just remember thinking that she's a bit, she's very pretty, but she never gave what I wanted to to have. Well, yeah, I mean, those, Padme, yeah, Padme is a different kettle of fish. Have you, you like Black Swan? I like Mila Kunis in Black Swan. Is this where we find out that you don't, much care for Natalie Portman. I do. I care for her. I hope she's well. But <laughs> I just. Don't I, just <laughs> I just like. I just think I've never seen. I think because they look so similar, I compare her to. Because I did think that her and Kieran Knightley were the same person for a very long time. You can say that. Jazz. I, Jazz. Jazz. I, I just. They've both got brown hair and big, like, doughy eyes, and I thought they were the same person. Okay. Sorry. Don't be she, sorry. You're fine. You're fine. I'll allow um, it. Oh, thank you for being so gracious. But, yeah, no, I'm just not... I've never got the Natalie Portman thing. I've just not, never... Not even... Not even uh, Black Swan. No. You don't like Black Swan? I do like Black Swan, but I'm not like, Black Swan, yeah, it's a masterpiece. I was like, oh, yeah, that was good. Did you suck his cock? Um, his <laughs> but I like Mila um, Kunis. Yeah, Mila Kunis is absolutely sensational. Yeah, I don't need to tell you how much I love uh, <laughs> but let's put recent events aside. But yeah, you know, she's great. What's she done now? Oh, don't I don't like when you do this. What has Mila Kunis <laughs> done? So you know how um, what's his face from that seventy show, curly hair guy is a rapist. Danny Masterson. Yeah, there. Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher wrote in a letter, being like, "Oh, but it's all right though. Like, you know, it's not that bad." And then they had, and then they didn't realize that those documents were going to be made public. Mm. So never like. Oh, they've just supported a rapist, and then they put out a really shitty like Instagram post, being like, "Guys, we're sorry," but it just didn't feel, you know what I mean, like from the heart. So everyone's now like, "Oh, but I love them," so I kind of choose to ignore it. So you know, yeah. Who isn't being cancelled these days? Do you know what I mean? I know it's terrible. You know who isn't being cancelled? Todd. Oh, this will bite me back. <laughs> But no, Todd Haynes. <laughs> Todd, this is the thing. Todd Haynes comes. Todd Haynes and Julianne Moore were making movies in the fucking nineties. Todd Haynes's experimental 
Um, I mean, he made a movie called Superstar about Karen Carpenter and about her anorexia, where it was all um, Barbie dolls. And like he made this in the 90s and he was an avant-garde of the queer cinema. And like he used all of the real Carpenter's music and that movie, like you can barely find it unless it is illegally. And, you know, and can he like he is not uncancelable. I'm sure somebody will be like, well, people are trying to cancel May, December. They're like. Why are you making a comedy about this? Why is it a comedy? Oh. Why didn't you? It should have actually been the Mary Kate Letourneau story. Why are you doing an actress? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Ooh, stop it. Stop it. Please. <laughs> Please. And literally, I go to sleep with podcasts. And I was listening to one the other day, and it was all about Martin Scorsese. And then it got to the end, and I was about to fall asleep. And they were just like, and I, I think he's one of our great living filmmakers, but Killers of the Flower Moon. Terrible. I think it's an incredibly made film that shouldn't have been made. And I just like suddenly woke up and I was like, what does that even mean? That, <laughs> I don't like that. I know. And I'm like, I, please, please, just let me sleep and let nobody <laughs> nobody get cancelled. Tom needs rest, people. <laughs> Stop throwing these please. hot takes out. Yeah, please. I can't sleep. I'm like, oh, please. I was just so, I was so close to sleep. Um, Yes. Okay, then two minutes. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about it for another hour, obviously. But like, what is your Natalie Portman overall vibe in this? Um, I think that it was not the most. Actually, I take that back because I've just remembered a scene that I actually do think is quite intriguing. Complex. I think she's very complex. Plex. You can never really guess what she's going to do. And I quite like that. Keeps you in toes. They all do. Like yeah. it. Thumbs up. I mean, you can guess that she's going to do whatever serves herself and serves the plot. Sorry, oh, yeah, serves. No. no doubt. This woman is incredibly self-centred. I, um, I, I love moments when we're watching movies as a family. And like my sister or mum will say something and my dad who stayed quiet the entire time will pitch in. And I think it was my mum who was like, why did he have sex with her? Sorry, yeah. why did she, why did she have sex with him? And my dad just went, "Well, he's trying, she's trying to get into the role, isn't she? She's trying to be like her." And I was like, "John Carruthers, what a man coming in off the bench." <laughs> um, we're going to take our first break, and then we're going to continue to talk about the wonderful film, starting from Elizabeth's arrival at the uh, Atherton U. I thought you were going to say at Saltburn, and at I was Saltburn. like, oh. <laughs> "At Saltburn." Um, during your break, I want you to think of one uh, actor you're going to put swap uh, Saltburn and uh, May December. That's your job. Ah! Okay. Ah! Ooh, is that a real Harvey Cup or is it a, not? They're not called Harvey oh, Cups, are they? Harvey. Stanley. It it's a Harvey Cup because it's not a Stanley Cup. Because it's not a Stanley Cup. Well, no, the Stanley Cup is a is golf, isn't it? I think it was designed originally, yeah, for golfers, and then like everyone was like, "Look at how much water you can have." Oh. Do you remember when no. like people used to write poetry and now we get um I, I don't want to be an asshole, but it's like look how much water we can get into this cup. People still write poetry. Yeah, it was, but we're about that. to be, all be drafted anyway. What's the point? <laughs> Although actually I can't be. One time it pains off to be mentally ill, guys. Uh I'm mentally ill. I think everyone is. I don't think they can use that anymore, can they? Yeah. Everyone's bit. Oh, I've got anxiety, so I can't come. It's like, yeah. oh well, fucking everyone else, come on. It's gonna be a 
Yeah, well, we'll see. Huh? Conscription. There's no way in a modern in a modern mobilized world they'll be able to do conscription. Anyway, before we get into pod, uh, before we get into political territory, <laughs> um, who are you swapping Saltburn to May December? Right, I got confused by this question, but I think it can be fun either way. Do you mean what character I would pick up and put into May December, or do you mean what actors would I swap? Actors, but either work. I'm, I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to hear about. Um, because Elspeth and Gracie interacting would be the best thing to ever happen to our eyes. It would be fabulous. It would be um, incredible. But what sort of cake do you think Elspeth would have ordered from Gracie? It would be green. It would be a light green, like Victoria sponge. I want you to order a cake as Elspeth. Hello, Elspeth. How are you? Also, the name <laughs> Elspeth. How does she talk? Oh, she talks like this, doesn't she? Talks like this. I want to order a mint green cake. Um, Is that right? I like Victoria sponge, mint green. Um, oh, do you want it? Um, do you want it? Um, do you want it? <laughs> okay, we're going to stop this now. Um, <laughs> I hated that bit. I also think if you wanted to play Elizabeth a little bit older, um, I think Rosamund Pike could pull off Elizabeth. Yes, I agree also. I also think that Rosamund Pike can do no wrong. So, you know. She is um, wonderful. She is wonderful. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. So Elizabeth arrives at the barbecue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that we have this, Joe, what is it? It's the, the package of SHIT. You know, like these weird things like you. you and we, we hear it all the time. It's quite funny. What? When I first watched it, I thought, you know, when people used to send like poison in envelopes. Um, the the well, un, that not that the Unabomber. The yeah, um, the, yeah you yeah, know yeah. what? Yeah, I thought yeah. it was one of those. It was it wasn't until my second rewatch that I realized that they she was spelling out the word shit. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't clock. I know you are dyslexic, Jazz, but do you not sometimes think that it might be more severe than you think? <laughs> probably she's spelling the word um just like, i thought it was like oh yeah like when they're, they're like dht stands for like bombs i don't know oh okay i understand well i say i understand um again like, why is she talking it? i was like that's a bit dangerous but it was just shit um look around talk to people do what you have to do and then uh, go get yourself a hot dog i want to be crude that is kind of what she does she goes around, she talks to people, and in the end, she gets herself a hot dog. Oh, Thomas. I'm sorry. I was like, I don't remember her eating a hot dog. <laughs> well, well, it's too quick to remember anything at all. Um, oh, leave him alone. Maybe my funniest line in the entire film is Elizabeth just walking around the garden with a notebook. Not a, line, not a line, but like just looking around, sunglasses. And then she sits down and the daughter comes over to her. I love the daughter's arc. I love everybody's arc. I think yeah. it's a perfect film. And the daughter's talking to her. And, you know, I've never met anybody who's on TV before. Well, your parents. <laughs> the absolute sincerity of Elizabeth. <laughs> well, your parents. Um. Well, that's that's different. Um, 
And then we get this first sort of, I, I lied earlier when I said that the first reveal would be the husband talking because then obviously she comes home and we get these tabloids that she's using for research and it's pet shop romance, um, 36-year-old woman impreg impregnated. Odd, like, pet, why Why does he choose a pet shop? I was trying to like work out the metaphor or the meaning behind it. Well, but the, I was... the hunting and the prey and, you know, it's not a kind of snake, you know. Oh, what? Goldfish, do you know that's hunting another goat? Like, what do you mean? There's not not all pet shops are as boring as British pet shops, Jazz. I know, but even when she tours it, I'm like, that's a boring pet shop. I'd love to see the back room. Um... Oh, I fucking hate that. But I, I couldn't help but giggle. I was like, yes, what? it's very funny. I was like, stop, Natalie Portman, what are you doing? Slight pout, bird like, steely, mechanical, or just removed. Um, and then this is montaged with Joe watching Elizabeth Barry clips clean, fresh, you and whether he's aroused, whatever he is. And also, I love that she's winning. And the only the only thing that we love, the glimpses we get into a career where we slowly realize maybe she's not that great, because the one award that we hear her getting is like. And of course, this award is so much more important because it was voted for by you. So it's a public award. So it's like, I don't know, our version of the National Soap Awards or something like that. You know, Aww. it's... Um, and, I think another... it's better people vote. Well, I mean, it did give us the incredible moment of Nicki Minaj. Um, and, what, and when she's won so many awards and she goes, what award's this? And then they go, <laughs> it's the Fan Award. Of course, thank you to the fans. <laughs> I love Nicki Minaj at awards, so she's so crazy. I love Very her. Good. Yo, Miley, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and Miley's just like, um, um. If I so win an Oscar, I love pranks. And if I win an Oscar, I'll text you and go, odds on one to five. If I go up and say, yo, Miley, what's up? <laughs> or, or, you know, I don't know. Martin Scorsese, I, I, so let's say I win an Oscar in the next five years. So Martin Scorsese is probably there for his final film. And he's like, you know, he's like, he's there for his final film. And it's a movie about Jesus or something. And everyone's like, oh, Marty, wow. Odds on, I go up and Kanye West him. <laughs> Yo, Marty, <laughs> Marty, I'm going to let you finish. But. Greta Gerwig. <laughs> what, I, I do feel bad that. I don't feel bad. This this happens all the time. Um, can we please stop pretending that Barbie deserved to win, to be nominated for Best Director over, like, Little Women? I would agree. Just because Little Women is my favourite movie, but I think that Little Women did more mm. for women Okay, um, I just and was saying it was a better film. <laughs> no, I because I just think that you the, with the four um, March sisters, you cover such a wide variety of women. Yes, they're all white, pretty women, whatever. But like, in great. The core, What's the point? Sharp, <laughs> but in the core, <laughs> I think it was less women, 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 and more just women. Well, nobody talks, like, people love to do the whole, women have minds and souls, but they forget that's that. The that's not the best one. Is that after that line, she then says, but I'm still lonely, or whatever she says. You know, like, there's another half care, to that speech. I care more to be loved than to love. 
mm. or some line like that. And then it's the other, what, what's the other line? Um, just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean that they're not important. That's another one. That's a great line. There's just, I just feel like Little Women hits it more in terms of yeah. feminism than Barbie does for me. But I, she was still robbed. She would, sure. Yeah. Okay. What are you mm -mm -mm. Go on. We get rid of a Best Director nominee. Who are you putting in? Todd well, Haynes but... Todd Haynes for May, December, or Greta Gerwig for Barbie? Greta, sorry. I just love Greta. Not necessarily for Barbie, just for being Greta, Soz. Sorry. I love Al Pacino, but it wasn't in a film this year. So, you know, it doesn't... <laughs> well, Greta was. Yeah, but, I like, I just think that Barbie... More so... No, Barbie was very well directed. Sorry. sorry. I never said it wasn't. But I think it's a... No, because we're going to... I'll spend an hour talking about no, this. No, we'll Barbie was great. Barbie was great. The middle half was dog shit, but that's okay. No, um, I I agree. Exactly. When they're not in Barbie land, it's not slaying. Why wasn't it just all in Barbie? How many times have we watched fucking, you know... Anyway, it, we're not doing this. Um, a movie that's perfect, however, is May, December. Uh, when when he gets into bed, you smell like charcoal. Oh. It's still smoky. I think that's quite fit. I love the smell of charcoal and fire, but yes. and fire and right. fire. I do love fire. Have we ever done a barbecue? We have sat around a fire pit. Um, I think it was when I wasn't it when I came back from America. No, it couldn't have been when I came back from America. I didn't know you. Um, no. there was one time where it was a fire pit in like Rian's old house, and. One of Rian's parties. And Leanne was there and you were there. But Eve weren't. I sound like fucking Dorothy. <laughs> and it you were Ruby there. <laughs> it was Ruby's birthday party. No. no. Anyhow. I agree. I love the smell of charcoal and I love the smell of smoke. I don't think I want smoke on my sheets. It's okay if the next day's wash day. That's now we're back to salt them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, most choice. So um, let's talk about the lisp and the voice because lots of people have, you know, again. Uh, you explain it to me, like why it was chosen or is it just. So basically, Julianne has said, and like when I heard this, I was like, oh, another reason to this film's perfect. So Julianne's. She brought the lisp to Todd Haynes and said, I think she should have a lisp. And her main reasoning is that the way that she has mentally justified it in her mind, her, you know, her sub, her perversion, her, you know, her, what's it called? Um, sub, what's, what's it called? Dis not discretion. Anyway, her crime, <laughs> uh, to call it one thing, um, is that she has had to make it in her head that she was you know, in distress, she was a sort of princess that needed to be saved by, you know, a young virile man. And that this is not a tragedy or a crime or anything like that. It's a true love story. And so she has to put herself into a place of vulnerability to forget that she is the adult. And a way of doing that is to make herself smaller and to make herself more infantile with the lisp. Well, then well done, because that makes perfect sense. Because I was going to say, it does feel very like 
childlike. Yeah. And and it comes in and out. It comes in and out. You know. I know and, and people are like, she didn't even do the lisp of the whole film. And I'm like, you. That's the point, you fucking idiot. <sighs> The, like she, it, 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 well, it's like any tick or not. I nearly said deformity. Um, it, it's right. like any tick or just you know, like it, they Tourette or anything like that. You know, it gets worse when you're more anxious, when you're more, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, the brilliant who was in charge? Who was in charge? It's only faintly there. I love it. Um, That's perfect. the real now. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Look at that. And That's... then we get the intro, the introduction of Joe. Texting and flirting with somebody Ooh. from the um, butterfly group, um, butterfly committee. The butterfly committee, and it, it, it possibly going to get some. Do you think, like, there is a world where Elizabeth doesn't show up and Joe steadily um, still cheats? Oh, firm nod. She's nodding straight yeah. away. Yeah, I can't finish your sentence. She's no. nodding. <laughs> when he's like, sorry, but as a woman. You know when a man, like, we know, we know. And I think that Gracie knows. Oh, also... I thought you were talking about the butterfly girl. I thought you were like, she knows that he's flirting. Oh, no, no, no. She, she knows. Yeah, she knows yeah, about yeah, Butler. Yeah. She fully knows. She That bitch goes through his phone daily, if Ooh, not yeah. hourly. She, the control that she has, she knows. But mm. she's also like, as long as he doesn't leave me, he can have his fun. That's what I think. But also, yeah. Yeah, he was searching for searching for a he he needed an out. So it just so happens that Elizabeth turns up and, you know, needs to do a weird acty thing, which includes apparently sleeping with him. Um to and he's he will happen. But also I feel like he just wants to be loved. Yeah. And I don't well, what's his reaction? What's his react? I mean, we're jumping to the sex scene, but what's his reaction after the sex? It's a reaction of like, are we going to try? Are we going to try and do this? You know, are we going to? So cute and innocent. Can I move to LA? And I mean, is it the line of the film? You know, this is what grown ups do. I mean, mm. fucking, there's a great. I know you don't watch Mad Men, but like. I saw a great tweet, which was like, somebody's, there's a break, there's, well, it's a divorce. Anyway, there's a real huge argument scene. And and she says, um, and somebody did a tweet of, she, she, she there was no reason for her to go that hard. And he says something like, I can explain. And then she goes, oh, yes, you're very good at explaining things. And and it's like just a great great moment that we've been waiting for for three series. Um, I love things when they're good, and I don't have any complaints. Um, this is where we get the introduction of Elizabeth's fiance at the flower arranging, and yeah, what's happening there? She's flirting with the Italian producer. I mean, when she's doing the makeup later, and she's like, "Oh, I'm getting a call from the network. Love you." And she hangs up. Um, how do you think Elizabeth's relationship with her fiancé is? <laughs> I think it's like she clearly isn't a very good... Maybe she is a good actress, but she hasn't been given the chance to show it off. Let's go with that instead of just... I'm talking about the character, not Natalie Portman. Yep, 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 yep. Um, like she's listening. <laughs> you never know 
never know. You never know. Um, but I think that we see it a lot with actors. They have like what they think they need in order to be a celebrity. Yeah. And probably for her, I think part of the I'm an actress is I've got a fiance who's cute and he's LA and he's also in the industry. Do you know? I mean, but secretly I'm having an affair with a director. It's like, you know, it's mm. LA. It's what she's supposed to be doing. I feel like it's a film of like what people think they're supposed to do. Right. I love, this is the, the people I don't want to, I love podcasting because, you know, and I look specifically with, wonderful brilliant people such as yourself because that's just i remember talking you know i i, I love it when i talk with people and and you illuminate a movie i already love even more carry on carry on i've interrupted you and probably oh, lost your train of thought oh, no because obviously joe's doing what he thinks he's supposed to do which is to be a husband a father but very much play pretend he doesn't know mm. how to do that gracie is well she's just a whole chaotic mess really but very much keeps up an appearance but also is I feel like for both of them it's kind of like we've fought this battle now and even though I don't think either of us are particularly overly happy or content with the situation we're in for the sake of the battle that we've been through we have to do it and Elizabeth is doing what she thinks a good actor needs to do in order mm. to give a performance which is become the character which isn't true and in each other they find what they need because i mean we go back to joe talking to gracie the fact people are going to finally understand you know she's gonna she's gonna show and we, people are going to understand and that will help them in you know what they're going through and in each other they find themselves uh this is the flower arranging where again we get just wonderful biting you know uh, this is Elizabeth. She's going to play me in a movie. I'm trying to show her a good time. That I don't doubt. Mm -hmm. um, and then they start talking about the past. And again, it, so many times it happens. And it happens again at the dinner table of like Elizabeth, you know, trying to sneak in questions as if she's some sort of investigative journalist. And she's like, you don't ever dwell on the past. And, 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 and she's like, no, not really. So you just automatically, um, you know, there and uh, you think about your history and your behavior <laughs> and and it happens again later at the dinner table and it's like how what why is that relevant from my understanding the movie will last 1991 to 1995 so why is it relevant and elizabeth then backtracks you know uh, i've got it here um uh, well, she says jumbo jumbo about planting seeds yeah she's talking about like acting <laughs> she's like you know i i'm trying you know um Sometimes the seeds of the future are, and that's what I kind of look for. Acting. Acting, yes. I try to look for the seeds of those things. Mm-hmm. And Gracie just does a brilliant, mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, that's the next scene. You know, Gracie hunts all the time. Again, this these are not subtle metaphors of Gracie enjoying hunting, you know. And, but again, it somehow manages to work. Todd... And Julianne and, and everybody else involved just paint with such a beautiful brush that these things just work so beautifully. And, you know, again, talking about, again, just the those intricacies and weirdnesses. Like, we are now at a stage, this graduate, the brilliant choice by Sammy Birch to set it around graduation time. 
So you've literally got, you know, Charlie, uh, their son, at the, a similar age to um, uh, what Joe was when the rape and the the, the relationship happened, and yep. just an ingenious choice. So every t- I, even though I'm I'm sure that Gracie has no feelings towards Charlie, her son. The way that she talks about like, you know, you got to eat your food, you got to build up and, you know, look good at college. Calcium deficiency. It's just like, yeah, it just makes you feel, it just, even though, yeah, I don't think she's a a serial pedophile at all. I think there is just, there's just such an unease when she's talking. And then what does she say? (laughs) Boys are hard. You know, she tries to get on Elizabeth, you know, make it a light, make it light. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, and then we get this wonderful scene where we're talking with the ex-husband Tom, who again, just another brilliant character. He's not angry. I love again, people talk about this movie being melodramatic, and in many ways it is, but there's no I, I nearly said there's no big crying scene, but we're coming up soon to she cancelled her cake and she's moving to her Aww. sisters. <laughs> but but you know, there's no big um, you know, there's no big quote unquote scene with, you know, like this with 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 Tom, the ex-husband. I want to give this actor his name. It's very good. D. Uh, w. Moffat, who I know from something. I'm gonna can't put my I finger on it. Face. And he's and again, that could be a big, you know, I don't talk to her anymore. She ruined our lives. And no, it's just it was a long time ago, and I'm doing well now. I'm doing good. And uh, everybody, and, and again, what you're talking about, you know, everybody is just doing what they protect, what they feel like they should be doing at this stage. You watch How to Get Away with Murder, don't you? He was in that for a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I watched the first couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. I just think it's very funny that all of the other films that he seems to have been involved in are like Passion for Justice, The Secret mm-hmm. She Carried, Hidden Palms. Happily divorced. It's just quite funny. It's the exact sort of thing that this movie, you know, uh, that uh, Elizabeth's making. Um, Yeah. And yeah, he's just like, you know, and what would possess a 36-year-old woman to have sex, to have an affair with a seventh grader? You know, and again, we see glimpses of anger. We see glimpses of, you know, incredible guilt, not guilt, sorry, incredible um pain and hurt when he's like you know her and the boy they seem happy and and again everything is dialed back with this um great humor of elizabeth well i guess we'll just dive in um and again interesting choices of like you know how does gracie develop these relationships with men it's from a position of care, from a position of control. What's the charming, you know, how did they fall in love story that Tom tells? She, he was incredibly drunk at a party and she took care of him. You know, it's 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 broken wing, it's mothering, it's infantilization, taking to the extreme when she um, transgresses. Tra- no. Yes. Transgresses. Transgressions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant to say earlier. Um, when she transgresses and, and has an affair with a 13-year-old boy. Um, and then we get, again, I'm, I keep saying scene of the film, the je- the dress trying on scene. I mean, oh. in a world where 
justice was done and Julianne was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, <laughs> you could very easily have made this her scene. Um, and I love the different ways that we see her control people. Mm. Ranging from, like, weaponization of intense emotionality with the cake scene and that sort of thing. And here, just the subtlest of... So great for showing your arms like that. Fuck off. And, and again, the weight thing, come just a beautiful script, the weight thing comes into play later with, um, you know, Honor, who's now at college and has broken free and is seemingly a lot looser and, and you know, more joyful woman, young woman. And, uh, you know, the scale, talking about the scale and that great gift. Um, and was it a, was it a scale? That was, that was a tradition. And I've got the line here. Um, my father, oh, sorry. Um, oh, Mary, I just wanted to say, to, I just wanted to commend you for being so brave and showing your arms like that. You know, not to wish to conform to those unrealistic beauty standards. You're different than me. You're a modern woman. And again, like, I don't think you should wear that dress. I think you look ugly with your arms, but I'm never going to say that to you. I'm going to say something 10 times worse and more manipulative and more seeding. And um, and again, the complexities of the character. She's not some quote-unquote dumb, you know, uh, flippant. No. She knows exactly what she's saying at all times. Uh, beyond the fact that it's just incredibly well shot with the mirrors. And then again, the element of Elizabeth doing the same mannerisms. And... Yep. So that was a secret, uh, secret, uh, not mission necessarily, but Todd and uh, Todd Hayes and uh, Natalie Portman worked on that together of like um, as and when to sneak in uh, mannerisms and copying and mirroring. Um, well, by the you... end, it's very prominent. Well, but... well, have you got your cup with you? Cheers. <laughs> oh. Incredible. Absolutely knockout. Um and then and then again, lovely little moments in this multiple times whenever Gracie talks about her brothers or her father, um, she's always like laughing and it's like, ha ha ha. You know, my father said to me, You're either leaving this house in a veil or a box. <laughs> funny. Yeah, ha ha ha. Or when she's talking about her brother later, she's like, you know, he would always be so protective and he would like throw people around and be like, What's your what's your motivation, young man? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's not good. This isn't Gracie. You've been. <laughs> um, what we got? Sorry. Um, and again, we you know, at all stages, we're looking at elements of how media exploits these situations because she's talking about you know how insider paid to shoot the wedding, and how you know well that really helped with the house, and you know the immense money that must have funneled through them to get that house, to live wealth, you know, to live of relative means. Yeah, I was wondering that. I was like, how have they got, like, surely people aren't giving these or her a job. So well, she's you know? got the cakes from those who feel guilty and those around her. What is my question? So, well, well, I mean, the the... Well, you get involved with people, don't you? And like, you know, and obviously he's got the x-ray job, but I'm sure they have an immense amount of wealth just passed through from, you know, one-time deals, you know, Gracie's story and all that sort of thing and life rights. And 
you know, the first interview with Gracie Atherton, you, and now that they're married, they were married and now they're not and the baby in bars and that sort of thing. You know, you got to pay people to get an interview sometimes or like, for instance, pay to get inside the wedding to shoot the thing. And we give money to these criminals and these terrible people. Um, and then and what is the maximalist version of that is the exploiting when it comes to based on true stories. I know you said that you love based on I I I don't know. There's been a real I mean, there always has, but like there's just such a wave of like murder shows and crime shows. And I there's there's always a part of me part of me that just feels a little bit icky. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that like jumps to mind about the ickiness of the whole exploitation of true crime is the Gypsy Rose and like the argument that like we've kind of, I mean, she's been she's very iconic, I can't lie, but like, you know. She's getting that like, dick. <laughs> that D is fire. Um, but like, yeah, I... I don't know. It is you are giving, yeah, you are giving money to a criminal, but also, how do you expect that criminal to make money if you don't give them money? Like, I I think I've never been. I love Steve Coogan with all my life, and I thought his performance was brilliant and a lot more than caricature. I thought it was sensational. But the BBC making a four part series about Jimmy Savile and his crimes rubbed me so very much the wrong way that you you have no idea. Um. It, it really, really got on my, really got on my last nerve. I did Thomas Brothers Gears. It did. I couldn't watch it. I watched the first episode and then I was like, oh, I can't do it. And that's how T sees it. <laughs> um, uh, little thank well. you. Well, doesn't she do, that's how Sue sees it. Doesn't she do a C? Deny. I'm listening to the music of K. Dollar Sanchar. Great, great <laughs> stuff. Um, and then, oh, should we jump on to spend a lot? Of, uh, oh, yeah, uh, the tour of the pet store. And again, again, what does the pet store owner have? A laminated copy of the newspaper from when it got for, when he was on when he made his first when he was ever put on a newspaper front cover. Even as the son of a pet stop owner, where there was a you know a pedophile affair. Happening. That needs to go on my fridge. Like, do you know, I mean, I have my first newspaper up. Like, to be fair, that I was doing something nicer than, you know, yeah. harboring a pedophile. I wouldn't say he harbours her. <laughs> let's <laughs> leave, let's leave Pet no, Sh Mr. Pet Shop alone. Was he the one to catch them? Yeah. Okay, because I thought it was the mum. No, 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 no. I think he... Maybe it was the mum. I can't remember. Anyway, somebody, yeah. Because um, maybe he did know that it was going on. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think that's a part of the story. No, but I just like to speculate. I know, I know. <laughs> um, And then again, Elizabeth, I'd love to see the storeroom. And she waits and then... Ding, da, da, ding! It's the way uh, she laughs at the end. Yeah. She's otherwise you're gonna lose me. Oh no. And then again, uh, that sign I, I think the movie does such a brilliant job of 
um, reminding us of the crime without showing us the crime or anything like that. Because what do we see almost immediately after that is her looking at the self-tapes. Because it's not like we don't know what a 13-year-old boy looks like, but the minute that we see a couple of self-tapes... Until I realised, literally, like, two days ago, my little cousin turned 30, and man's looks not a day over six in my eyes. Well, this but is the thing, like, yeah. Like, but then I feel like the actor that they choose for the last... Like, when we see them shooting the movie, he doesn't look 13, he looks, like, 16. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, me and Rian recently did Notes on a Scandal, which is another movie with a... <laughs> A darkly comedic tone about it, and then there's a pedophile relationship. Anyway, and and I think there's such you've got to I I mean because you've got that tightrope act of casting an actor who's of age if you are doing any intimate scenes, but also I think it's a cop out to not have him look like a child because mm. you lose the whole point. And I think this movie does such an incredible job of not being exploitative, not being gratuitous, not flashback back, backing, not sure. It feels like, you know, like those, um, like visual, uh, like tricks and stuff where it's like, shows a picture of, shows a picture of an eye and then a knife going across the eye and then a cloud going across a cl at the moon and it, your, your, your mind puts two and two together. That's yeah. how I felt about, you know, we hear about the pet shop, uh, we hear about them being found. We see Elizabeth, uh, uh, and then we cut to the self tapes, and we put thirteen-year-old boy in that room. Having, you know, I think it's very effective without having any gratuitous flashbacking. Because if they did any gratuitous flashbacking, they would be just as bad as the movie, as the you know, the yes. things that they're talking about. Um, and again, Joe texting with this woman. And what does the woman say? I spend a lot of time managing my boss's moods. Yeah, I know how that can be. Uh, there isn't a single line in this film that isn't uh, wonderful and delicate. Uh, we'll take our, our second and final break. And then we'll be back to conclude our discussion of, uh, for my bunny, uh, the best film of the year. Or at least my favourite. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> he loves it so much. <laughs> he can't contain his excitement. Gaseous with excitement. Let's conclude our discussion. Um, there we go. Okay. Um, pardon me. So now we get the wonderful restaurant scene uh, where, well, not the... Di oh, tell a lie, we've got two restaurant scenes. First one is uh, where she's talking to the lawyer. And again, this, you know, not the sort of any sort of stereotype you'd imagine. You could have done, you know, big, bold... They're in Georgia, for God's sake. You could have done big, bold, southern lawyer, you know. <laughs> I defend whoever I defend. I don't, you know... <laughs> I, if they come across, I pay my money, I don't care. I get my, I get my bill. No, he's just... He was basically nearly retired. And he'd defended awful people all his life, and his wife had grown sick of it. He moves down to Georgia, and then by chance, within a year... He's living, next, awful person. he's living next door to Gracie. And uh, and again, just on a beautiful... I think she bakes him. She bakes him something, doesn't she? she so, the, so this is where we get the reveal, very much like Norma Desmond and her fan mail, and with Max going, I wouldn't look too close at the postmarks. <laughs> you know, he's writing all the fan mail. And the way that they're keeping her sane and stable is this very small circle of friends and, you know, acquaintances who are just buying the same 
in a, how many pineapple upside upside down cakes can one family have eat? You know, you know, you you might want to check the names on those orders. It's a handful of names. My wife's one of them, and and he tells this great story of you know, I, and you know, she said I got caught having an affair. And I said, well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Gracie, but that's not illegal. And, you know, if it was, a lot of people would be in a lot of trouble. And she just started to cry. And she said, we're in love. I didn't mean for it to happen, but we fell in love. And then again, a little bit on the nose, but, you know, when did it, when did it sink in? <laughs> Has it sunk in yet? And do you think she, Gracie, is a woman in denial? Or do you think, like you've already sort of alluded to, she is in complete grasp and is just now trying to um, manicure what is left of her life? The second option. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think... I think... I don't know. She just has so many different manipulation tactics that you can't have that many and not know what you're doing. Yeah. And it's also like at the end when, what's her other son called? Georgie. Georgie's the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't know why he does Like he lies. Like we mm. talk every day. It's oh, yeah. like, well, of course she does because she's like got batshit crazy control over every single person in her life. Yeah. Well, th well, this is where we meet Georgie, and this is where we sort of think we get, not a twist, but where we sort of get a shift, and it's like, okay, ah, so this is Georgie, so this is the, you know, and he's singing Peter Frampton, and, you know, he's just a rock and roll kid or whatever. And, you know what's and so funny is, is I first saw this actor when he was in Back to the Future as George McFly. What? He was in the stage version of... Back to the Future. He was the original cast. In New York or in London? No, in London. Did I go see him then? Probably. I, how many, I've seen it twice. I saw him and he was in it, like, I didn't see it when it first came out. Corey Michael Smith. Corey Michael, casting creative. Wait a minute. Wait. Really? No, wait. Wait, I think I'm yeah. actually... You're thinking of Corey English, who played Doc Brown, who is currently playing Doc Brown? No, I'm not thinking... It's, he looks exactly like the guy who played him. But it's not him. I know him from Gotham. That's where I know him from. What an incredible moment. It, it, don't worry, Jazz. No matter, Rian set a very low standard for failure when on the Fantastic Mr. Fox episode, she thought that Justin Timberlake um, was one of the voices. And, uh, yeah. Who did she think he voiced? Jason Schwartzman, the son. <laughs> oh, um, I kind of wish that was the casting. Oh, oh, yeah. Fuck Britney, I guess. Oh, let's not bring that into it. We'll just take a breather. Oh, but I can't enjoy Black Swan anymore. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, and then he comes over and he's like, you can't fucking sing this song. Step away, bitches. And, um, you know, and he comes over and he's like, hello, Georgie, how are you? And, you know, oh, very good. That's wonderful. I really wanted to see you. You know, it's why don't you look me in the eye and tell me how selfish I am and I'll tell you if you're a match. And... 
very and again it's it's also because so because tom's you know the ex-husband is so held together it's kind of the first time we get a glimpse of you know like the the trauma and and you know the aftermath the the fucked up the people who have been fucked up irreparably i mean everybody has been but like you know joe at this stage of the film is holding his own tom's quote-unquote gotten over it but like georgie is more visibly like you know uh, he doesn't hide no cray cray and as a matter of fact he wears it as a badge of honor kind of and he's like you know you know yeah i'm fucking nuts <laughs> like i'm the least canon of the family Mm. Uh, and then talk about polar opposite scenes you know the dynamic sort of comedy of that the sadness of it and then we get Joe and his father and he barely talks and you know he's trying to be you know man to man and again smoke the smoking with his dad feels so forced and like dress up and his dad's just like you know well maybe you'll have time to focus on other things mm. and the mother's since died and you know they never really talked about things and incredibly solemn again i don't know i just don't know how you look at the back hour of this film and don't say that is the nomination if not your winner for best supporting actor sorry i was very annoyed i i didn't want to get an angry with the oscars this year jazz um well, but... everyone's angry so you might as well be angry they're angry for different reasons but you know um, yeah, where I, yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted a lot of more May, December. There was a moment where I thought it wasn't going to get in on best original screenplay. And I was like, if you fucking dare not give this movie. <laughs> what would you have done? Storms the Oscars. <laughs> Hashtag Mank. Uh, Mank Sweep. <laughs> were you, were you, um... That was when we did the Oscars at Christopher Court, but you went. You were asleep. You didn't stay up for the Oscars. Yeah, I went to bed. I went yeah. to bed. I was tired. Jazz. Tut, tut, tut. Well, let's not forget what you did to poor Eve Wengel that season of the Oscars. Oh, a fucking hotel room. Next oh, door to God. the building we lived in. She bought a ho we lived next to a hotel and she bought a hotel room for that Sunday night because what was it she had a she had she had work the next day and she Eve like needs like dead silence to sleep mm. and it wasn't going to be dead silent. And also so... it's not the f I wasn't playing a Led Zeppelin rock concert. <laughs> it was it was the Oscars. At most it was ladies and gentlemen, Robert Downey Jr. You know, clapping. You know, it wasn't. I don't know. And we anyway. Um, she was opposite the kitchen. Okay, I'll allow it. It was oh, better good. than the BAFTAs aftermath. <laughs> um, then we get. That was the tennis day. Oh. <laughs> um, Elizabeth oh. Barry in drama class, and again, incredibly bizarre, incredibly funny scene. Um, you know, have you ever done sex scenes before? Yeah, I've done sex scenes. You know. Um, a lot of the time it's mechanical, but sometimes there's real chemistry. And uh, she just starts going on this monologue, incredibly inappropriate, talking about how sometimes you get turned on during sex scenes. And she's <laughs> talking to kids. Is that the point, though? Well, well, she does. She flirts with Cameron. Thank you, Cameron. And... Um, 
It's the moral gray areas. It's the complexity that makes this interesting. And this really turns off the daughter. Like this is where the daughter really turns on. Basically, going, I like playing bad people. Yeah, playing me mum. It's a bit like, oh. Well, what state? Like, like the daughter in college, presume. Like, what do the kids think of it all? Because they clearly love their dad, and he's clearly yeah. a lovely father, and it's so sweet those touching scenes before graduation. But like, what do they think of the whole situation? The oldest one clearly fucking hates her mum. Mm. I think twins. I don't know. I think the um, Ma Mary is her name. Mary, the daughter. Maybe I don't. Uh, yes, yes, Mary. Yeah, Mary, Mary I, and Charlie and uh, Honor. I think the youngest two are quite removed from it. Do you know what I mean? Because. Well, Honor was like literally she... the prison baby, wasn't she? Yeah, so... exactly. So she was like fully in it. But I feel like those two have like kind because like they have friends. I feel like yeah. if they were in Britain, they would not have friends. They would have been bullied relentlessly. Maybe yeah. it's because Americans are a bit more, I don't know, in touch with their feelings, whatever. But like Well, I think it's very, you know, um very touchy, you know, like the at the graduation. There's no ebb in the applause. Everybody loves everybody, you know, big cheers, yeah. big cheers for them all. And it's quite touching. Um, because I'm sure they've absolutely obviously been through hell. Um and then we get this makeup scene, and it, you know, it was one of the first images that we got, and and they're practicing their makeup, and again, it's just not necessarily sexual, but sensual and evocative and Two incredible performers, both matching each other's manners. You know, uh, what did your mother do? Uh, she wrote a pretty respected book on emistemic revitalism. Um, my mother wrote a pretty good recipe for Peter Kabler. And they're there, and it's it's um, it's it's very bizarre work, and uh, and effective. And then we get into taking a walk with Joe and Elizabeth. When do you think Elizabeth? makes the decision that she, I think, that she needs to or wants to have sex with Joe. Is it an impulse thing when she gets the chance to be driven home? No. Because she flirts with him before that. Yeah. I think, I think it's an interesting choice that she's, she doesn't, she's not, she's not the one who says, I want, and uh, can you drive me home, please? Gracie no. is like, do you think Gracie knows that that's going to happen? She's the one who sets it, well. No. I think she knows that that is what's going to happen. Mm. Dude, fuck you for yawning. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that she's, no, she can't, no. No. Either I way, think that, oh, sorry, go on. No, I just think Elizabeth was like, She's. I don't think she planned it, but I think she's a bit like, if I get the chance, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. And and either way, he comes home to a crying Gracie. And, you know, Elizabeth. Oh, that's she's getting on my left nerve. And, <laughs> oh, I mean, you talk about camp. I mean, you can see somebody drag queening, miming this. <laughs> what I've got right here. Um. What happened? Why? Why? Is she, why did she cancel her order? 
She said her sister's sick, but it doesn't matter. I spent hours making that <laughs> cake that I could have used. And, oh, and then again, just the nature of their relationship. What does Joe do? That's beautiful. That's mm. just eats the cake, drinks That's... the Kool-Aid. Drinks the Kool-Aid. I explained drinking the Kool-Aid to somebody the other day. They didn't know what it meant. Oh. Um that's horrible to have to explain that. I know it was bizarre. <laughs> and then they went, What? <laughs> um and then we go to Elizabeth just doing her research on the sex offender registry, talking about the kids, and she's like, I don't know. Have you seen any of the other kids? I just feel like you know, because these kids are cute, but they're not sexy enough. You've seen, you know. <laughs> and then the so, guy yeah. and the guy. Elizabeth, I think you should come home. Hard cut. Hard cut out. <laughs> oh. Mm. And then uh, the film takes this ebb into, takes this shift more into the somberness and more into the sadness, you know. We're long since removed from the frequent comedy of the barbecue scene at the very start and we, and we carry on and, you know, and then we get to this scene, Joe and his son uh, smoking weed on, on oh. the... Which again, we think is possibly going to be like a sort of funny scene, but immediately plays to the tragedy of it, which is that he is, it's a son taking care of his dad because the dad has had no adult life at all. Sorry, no childhood um, and has been thrust into adulthood. And I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say to you to have a good life because bad things, they happen and we do bad things also, which is the perfect sort of, you know, you know, weedy isn't an adjective, but like weed fuse, weed fueled, um, genuine sentiment. Um, and again, again, I don't know how you watch this scene and not give him the, give him, give him the Oscars straight away. I mean, I did love Downey and Oppenheimer, but if the president knows about it, then don't you think he should know? Have you watched Oppenheimer yet? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. He <laughs> turned Einstein against me. I, well, like I said, I've said it before, I'll say it again. They give Oscars for careers, not for performances. Sorry. Oh. And it's oh, wow, 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 wow. It happened last year with Jamie Lee Curtis. So. Don't and do you know how much I love Jamie Lee Curtis and how badly these her these past two Halloween movies have bad, been bad enough, but not as bad as her talking about them and her being like, "Well, I mean, we were writing this and George Floyd was happening, and it's about trauma and it's about me too." And I'm like, "Shut the fuck up!" It's about, it's <laughs> about Tom tells you to shut the fuck up. You know, you really crossed the line. <laughs> it's about a man. Stabbing people. And also, the point of your Halloween movie was that the Oscar... Sorry. Was that the... Um, was that the mob made the wrong decision. So stop saying that your movie's about Black Lives Matter when the mobs were making the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's about trauma. Um, anyway. And um, where were we? Oh, Jim Lee Curtis. Yes, uh, they do give a what? No, I do think that he was deserved for Oppenheimer, though, I have to say. Mm. Well, anyway, we'll see. Um, where are we? Oh, yeah, sorry. And then uh, uh, 
Oh, and then by an absolutely incredible button on the end of that scene, Dad, don't worry about me. It's all I do. Oh. Tears. Oh. Tears. Oh. Tears. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what the more and more i talk about this film the more and more i'm mad that he, he's not nominated i know i know yeah, it's, it's i know because it's, it's bloody good he's really good it's just such a wave of oh poor charles you know what it, well he will be winning certainly nominated for the thomas carruthers best supporting actor award as we you know that's all that matters that is all that matters. Previous winners include uh, the Thomas Griffith Supporting Actor. I've got it here. Uh, let's see who won last year. Last year's winner was Justin Long for Barbarian. Perfect. Um, nominees were Barry Kilgan for The Adventures of Inisherin, Stephen Yun for Nope, Mark Rylands for Bones and All, and Paul Dano for The Fablemans. Who is he in Bones and All? He was um, the pervert the who follows them oh and, oh, oh yeah i know no, oh, how how oh. sensational yeah it was brilliant well, wasn't it because i'm home alone right now and it's actually it's like i'm i need to go and check the doors oh no it's okay why don't we talk about bones and all i'm oh jazz i saw the challengers trailer for the first time in cinemas i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready I actually can't wait. Oh, na, 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 come on. I love what a great song SM. When I used to DJ on board the luxury liner that I DJed, well, I, I was a quiz host and sometimes I had to DJ. SM still plays. And these are two middle aged women and they love it. They love Rihanna, particularly that song. Um, Who doesn't love Rihanna? Yeah. Um, okay, where were That's we? We're talking. Dark we're talking. Joke, then, but I take it back. I think we all know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just say yeah. that's like saying the lead up to a joke. Yeah, knock knock. Who's there? Um, doctor. Actually, I'm not gonna say the answer. We we yeah, we know the answer. Um. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're fine. Um, and then Gracie talking um again with uh Elizabeth and 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 then. You know, Joe's been with more women than I have men. Nobody remembers that. And again, these little things that she clings to as a, some sort of defense. And, you know, he grew up very quickly, but I was very sheltered. And and then she shows him the peace card. You know, peace is sitting on a lake. Peace is a cold Coke. Peace is being with you. The assignment with wedded Pete. <laughs> really? <laughs> thought it was a poem about Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get the graduation dinner. I also love the little inklings we get to the terrible show that she's on that must be some sort of Grey's Anatomy with animals because he says, like, the, I saw the episode where you were working on an elephant or whatever, and then when the when the daughter comes up, she calls it Nora's Ark, which is the <laughs> name of the show. So it's like, okay, so it's Grey's Anatomy with animals. This is incredible. Uh, uh, I thought that it was like some sort of um, Noah's Ark, yeah, but like told from the perspective of like Noah's wife. But I realise now that dude, that's not what it is. But that's what I briefly thought it was. Could have been. I guess it could have been. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, 
And we get the tradition of the scale, which we've already talked about. You tried living your life through with the scale, Missy. And um, and then we're talking, then she's in the bathroom and like, what were your expectations? That tonight would go well, that my children would love me and that my life would be perfect. And Elizabeth, it's the only time she really confronts Gracie and she says, that's a little naive. And what does Gracie do? Even that, I'm going to take the power. I am naive. I always have been. In a way, it's a gift. You can spin the deepest insult a person says about you. Incredible. And then and then here's an interesting element. We get this story with the brothers from George's point of view, that her brothers molested her or attacked her. How do you, where does that sit for you? Do you think that is true? Do you think that Gracie on at the graduation is just again averting? Or do you think she literally, or do you think this is just another... Because we have seen Georgie before, you know, be the way that he is. Do we think he is telling the truth or is he just trying to get some attention? I hope that it is just trying to get some attention. Mm. Because if that is true, then I feel like it's a really bad sort of attempt at a justification. Almost. We have this all, yeah, we have this all the time, you know. You know, she's like, you can see her excitement of like, oh, brilliant. You know, I, I understand the character now. You know, it's yeah. like therapy. You know, everybody waits for that big penny drop moment. It's like, oh, oh my God, she, she was raped. Brilliant. I can use this. I can, I can really get into the character now because I know that she was attacked. Oh, this is fan. You know, you can see her. And so very often in reality, there is no great justification for, yeah. for people's actions, you know, just because you, you know, killed somebody in a cinema when they were playing Shrek doesn't mean that you got attacked when you were younger watching Shrek. That's yeah, the not, bizarrest yeah. example I could have ever given for a crime and a reason to commit a crime. <laughs> but I understand what you were going for. And that's what matters, Tom. I don't know why Shrek was on your mind. Um, I'm in my sister's room and she has um, a little Shrek thing. Oh. Um, Elizabeth and Joe have a very, very, very quick sex. And Charles Melson is an incredibly handsome man. And it's easy for us to build up an idea of a sort of, you know, sexual bravado. <laughs> Pardon me, sexual bravado. And kind of get not on Gracie's side but you know we can see because we've only seen adult pardon me we've only seen adult Charlie um, adult Joe <gasps> oh my god <laughs> we get Thomas to have a, a brief hiccup attack <laughs> we get a sort of conflation in our heads of like yeah okay yeah I'd fall in love with Charles Melton oh wait no it was Charles Melton when he was 13 and Another brilliant way that the movie deals with that is by showing that he is sexually inexperienced and has been having sex with an, a mentally mature and, and at worst deranged woman for 20 years now. And he finishes in like 30 seconds. And and Elizabeth's like, oh, okay. Um, how did you feel about this uh, shift? Um, kind of saw it coming. Well, yeah. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it 
I feel like it was just well of course that's what like do you know what I mean like yeah it's the final it's the final you know the final power play yeah yeah and it just makes me think what what was she doing in the third do you know what I mean because she was like he's been with other women blah 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 he's yeah. more experienced he's been with more men than I not more men more women than I have men <laughs> and it's like that'd be a different movie but it's yeah I was just a bit like really girl this this is what you you went to prison for well I think like again I love notes on a scandal and Rian had an issue with there is a moment in the film where we see a really quick blast of sex and it's like this dirty like young lad like writhing on Kate Blanchett who's a grown woman and and Rian was like that's and it's incredibly quick and Rian was like, that's incredibly gratuitous, not necessary. And I'm like, I think it's needed because you kind of, the way that these stories are told, you kind of have a little bit of, oh, yeah, no, oh, all right, she fell in love. You know, these things happen. And you've got to remind yourself of like, I oh, know she's, what the fuck is in your head? Like, this is what you've thrown your life away is for, you know, 30 seconds with some fucking young scruffy lad. I, I who's a child and you're committing a crime. <laughs> uh, you know, it's incredibly dexterous, incredibly depthful work. And then Elizabeth, like Joe, whatever he's going through, he's talking to her after the sex and he's just like, yeah. And then she throws in, this is just what grownups do. And he comes home and he's incredibly shaken. And then we get this incredible scene between him and Julianne. Um, you know, you're lucky I'm that jumpy. You know, and then he throws in, I think there are a lot of things that we haven't talked about in a while, if ever. Do you think this is the first time they've that he has broached this in in such a bold manner? Yeah. I think the only other time they've ever like spoken about it has when it's like been like in court or when they've had to. Yeah. And it's not to each other, it's to like other people being like, but this is what happened. But also from a place of like justifying it rather Through than legal rigor yeah it. and yeah i think she knows the damage she's done and can see it which is why when he tries to talk about it she just shuts it down straight away with i mean su doing. such incredible moments you know um what if i wasn't ready to make those kind of decisions what's her response you seduced me and but I was thirteen years old. Don't give me that. I I literally when I watched it with that. Don't give me that. Always gets a a guttural. Um, and then we get into who was in charge, who was in charge, who was in charge, and it's gaslighting. It's 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 everything. It's everything. You know, it's a masterclass. People talking about Julianne in this as if it's just some over the top raucous thing. She goes the goddamn span of emotions and different tactics to, I think it's a sensational performance. And I think he is obviously sensational as we've already discussed. And I think together in this moment, I mean, it's, it's, it's where the film really does take a nosedive into, into tragedy and him, you know, coming to realizations and, it's just incredibly, incredibly powerful work. And then we get, Elizabeth Barry, 
solo, solo uh, monologue, solo single shot, unbroken frame, the soft whir of like a an air conditioning unit in the background or something, and she has done and she is doing a perfect performance impression imitation of uh, Juliana's Gracie and delivers this monologue uh, the fa- the only love letter that Joe managed to say my love after you left tonight I thought about the kind of life we could have had if things were different and and then you know please burn this you know what could happen to me if anyone ever found out and it's just incredible filmmaking Todd Haynes when he said read the script he, he he loved Ingmar Bergman movies there's a movie called winter winter it's either winter light or winter sleep I'm a bad, I'm a bad movie. I'm a bad movie lover. And uh, that has one of those where it, where they, instead of, they deliver a letter uh, this way and it's a solid frame. And he thought that would be the way to do this. And that would be one of the reasons to make this movie. He's always wanted to do that. And, and again, it's an incredible moment to see how Elizabeth's actually put, I, again, I think it's master, and it's a true masterclass from Natalie Portman. I don't know, I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, Jazz, but I don't know how you wa- don't watch this monologue and don't go, yeah, Natalie, wow. I kind of forgot about the monologue, I can't lie. That's okay. <laughs> I A lot happens in this movie. Yeah, it's great. Um, it yeah. does come, it does come sort of as a cum- culminating moment. I can see not f- how to forget it, but it does come at sort of a, you know, it doesn't pop, and it is sort of actors showy offy, you know, in every impression yeah. of the, in, if you want to say that, and and all that sort of thing, and then we're and then we're just riding now to the end. We see Joe in the morning of the graduation, and it's touching and it's lovely, and he's being a real father, and it's very nice. And then we get the graduation, and then we get. Charlie, uh, Charles Melton, sorry, Charles, uh, Joe watching from afar and just fucking breaking down. Why was he watching from afar? I can't remember why. I, I just don't think he, I just don't think he wants to sit with Gracie. Oh, okay. I think he's just lied to her and said, I'm going to go for a walk because he doesn't want to be around her right now. And he just breaks down and it is every single thing coming to bear. It's him realizing he lost his childhood him realising that he is, you know, possibly as a father, not giving his children all that he can because of his own mental uh, things going on. Um, he's watching his children grow up and live adult lives that he would will never have. He's coming to terms with the end of a relationship that did have love for whatever, you know, way you want to spin it. He's coming to terms with the end of his love. And it's an incredible, incredible uh, performance and again it makes me angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then elizabeth and gracie final showdown they're both basically wearing the same thing same sunglasses and elizabeth with the um knowledge that she has about oh, this is another thing that's really random that's just i don't know why but why does she always have just such a massive bag on her why not people need bags but then she had a tiny one right next to she maybe she needs her asthma. She's got asthma. She Sorry, has asthma. She has asthma. She has asthma things maybe, and um, and she thinks, yeah, you know. Do you th- I wonder if uh, any of this will have actually mattered for your movie. And you know, do you think you understand me? Yeah, I think I do. And you know, she's like, yeah, 
I've got the rape thing. You have no idea that I know about your brothers. Ha, ha, ha. I know pulls you an inside Una and out. Pulls a what? She pulls an Uno reverse. When Uno, someone yeah, says, yeah. Uno, they're like, <laughs> I thought you said Una. And I was like, who is Una reverse? <laughs> what a drag queen name. Una, Una reverse. Una reverse. Una reverse card. Copyright it. I'm in. And and she goes, I hope you didn't believe anything that Georgie told you, that disgusting stuff. Just disgusting. And whether it's true or not, it rocks Elizabeth, you know. Yeah. And then we get the line, I mean, this. I wish this movie came out when I was doing my yearbook because uh, I could have written down, I talk to Georgie every day, insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? I'm secure. Make sure you put that in there. Um that would have been my yearbook quote. What a great line. And yeah. and then the reason she's got a huge bag is because she needs to hug it for dear life as, as Gracie yeah. walks away and she's right. just like, shakes a little bit. She even stumbles a little bit. And yeah. incredible moment. And then we get the final moment and the final, it's not that Kenneth Nick. And we realise that all of this was for a pretty shitty average lifetime movie. And it's going to mean nothing and it's not going to illuminate any truth, but possibly some truth has been done to Joe. As we conclude our conversation, Jazz, um, although you've turned around on it, what was your first sort of resistance to this ending and the cringiness of it, intentional cringiness of it, and, and, and how yeah. you were turned off by it? I think it... I think it was that. I think it was like, oh, all of this for fucking that. Like, you went, mm. you, you've essentially given a family a, like a mental breakdown, mm. and you know, in her own way, manipulated these people in order to give this great performance. And then your great performance is that. All right, love. At least actually, like you know. But obviously now I get it. Mm. But it just took me a minute. I'm a bit slow. No, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I think, yeah, it's I and to be honest, I don't want to be that guy. I picked up on like the shittiness of the show. And to be honest, on my first watch, I was like, this is gonna have a reveal that the movie's shit. And I'm and I'm, I'm not saying that as arrogant Tom or movie buff Tom or anything like that, but I felt it coming of like oh no, this is going to have a reveal that it's not an Oscar movie at all, that this is just, that she's a bad actress or something like that. I did feel, because I, you know, I love Todd Haynes and I felt that sort of sick, you know, that twist coming. Mm. And and when it did happen, I was, I to be honest, when it did happen on a first watch, I was a little bit underwhelmed because I kind of felt it coming. But now I don't feel that underwhelming at all. And on a second and third watch, and I'm sure I'll watch this, you know, once a year for the rest of my life, probably. I, I really do adore this one. And it's and it's a stunning, stunning piece of work. Um, if you were to give, so it's nominated for best supporting, uh, sorry, for best original screenplay. Obviously, we wish we could give Charlie Boy his best supporting actor. I'm going to allow you to give it one more nomination. What are you giving it? Not at the sacrifice of Greta's spot, but best director. Wonderful, Jazz. I love that you're coming over to Todd World. Thank you. We're a, we're a bunch of weirdos. It's great over here. <laughs> no, I do want to watch his other movies after this. Well, Carol, well, you know, 
Carol's obviously beautiful. Carol's sensational. Far from Heaven is very good. Far from Heaven is a is is Julianne Moore, and it's the story of a woman who finds out her husband's gay in the fifties. Um, meanwhile, she's falling in love with a black gardener. But it's shot exactly like a movie from the forties, so or the fifties. So it's about incredibly provocative material, and it has swearing, and it has a little bit of you know sexual gratuity especially with the gay stuff i mean you know they were never going to make a movie about finding out your gay husband in the 50s unless it was my husband's a queer you know it would be terrible and and the black gardener stuff and the racism there but it, a really tremendous film that for me that that was julianne's oscar to lose and well <laughs> she lost it <laughs> <laughs> and um and safe's very good as well. I don't know how Safe didn't get on Netflix or something during COVID. Safe's a great movie. His first collaboration with Julianne Moore and his first major film. And basically it's the 80s and she just becomes like sick and allergic to everything. And oh. and she's like wearing COVID masks. Oh, I mean, well, this is when it, we'd call them surgical masks. Um, it's weird, isn't it, how we just call surgical masks now COVID masks. Yeah. Right, come on, because you've got less than a minute. May December's the film of the year. I, I freaking loved it. I and and yeah, I think that this movie contains multitudes and any argument that you have against it, like it being appropriate or it being um ill-informed or gratuitous itself, I think everything is in the text. Jazz, how do you feel? I would agree. Um, I love a movie that makes you think and has mm. every single character that was shown had like complexity to them and i think that that's brilliant and i'd give it a solid solid nine out of ten because i just can't stand the list i'm sorry <laughs> well you know what i think about that i think you're insecure but i'm secure <laughs> i'm secure and in a way it's a gift thank you very much as you're wonderful as always and uh i don't know when we will be together again soon because we'll be living together in london <gasps> Da ba da ba da ba da da.